أهلاً وسهلاً Welcome to Arab Woman Talking In English, العربية and in Beecher Niederlands At least that was the plan But apparently one has to choose one language فلناتقي العربية تابعوا البودكاست على ساوند كلاود بنت إبراهيم Misschien komt ooit een Nederlandstalig podcast, maar dat duurt eventjes. Dus, hier, Arab woman will be talking in English. With a word of Arabic and Dutch here and there, because she can't help herself. But, what is she talking about? About what arises as she navigates through life, through the maze of self and society, looking for meaning through the eyes of an eco-feminist, exploring language, symbolism, and dreams, observing nature and the lives of bees. The topics vary, as does the style, from published and rehearsed works to streams of consciousness, live while recording, and everything in between. As for today, Arab woman will be talking about professional football and beekeeping. This is Arab woman talking from a forest by a pond in a meadow next to a beehive. It's raining outside. I begin with a dream that took place in the early hours of Sunday, the 7th of May. In the dream, I meet the father of the football player, Nuri. Turns out he is a beekeeper. He shows me a bee comb with a queen cell in the middle of the comb. It is opened at the bottom, with honey oozing out of it. Slightly underneath it, like a belly, is another queen cell, but this one is whole and closed. Bees. Now, of course, I'll be dreaming about the bees. I've been spending most of the last, what, two, three months now completely obsessed with with them or with their lives. But what does the honey-oozing cell mean, and why would I dream of Nori's father? First, to unmystify some of the jargon. The worker bees, these build combs. Some of those are for storing honey, and others are for the brood, the eggs, which become larvae and end up as new bees. There are three kinds of cells. Worker bee cells, drone cells, that's male bees, and queen cells. The worker bee cells are small and flat. The drone cells are slightly rounder. And the queen cells are large and protruding. They appear usually at the edge of a comb, and they look like a peanut shell. Or a breast, really, like oh, a sagging breast, to be honest. It's not perky or anything. But, oh, it's so beautiful. Now... A queen bee cell that appears in the middle of the comb, as in the dream, is called an emergency queen cell. This is usually produced when the queen suddenly dies or is not functioning optimally and the bees want to make a new queen to replace her. Next question to address is, who is Nori? 
He is not a personal acquaintance, nor is his father. I know of them from the little news that comes across. Nouri, or rather his full name, Abdelhaq Nouri, was a player for the Ajax uh, team, or uh, Ajax or Ajax, the Amsterdam football team. He is of Moroccan descent, born and raised in the Netherlands. He's a kind of a prodigy. Began playing with a team, the Jeugd team, at around age seven, if I have it right. And by 17, he was playing with the big boys. It was around 2017 or so that he lost consciousness during a football game. His heart stopped and too little oxygen caused him what they then um, described as irreversible and complete brain damage. So young, he was just... 20 or something. Abd al-Haq is the worshipper of the truth with al-Haq, the truth being one of the names of God. Nuri means light. In dream interpretation, it's always important to look at the significance of the characters that appear, their, their names. So they have a representation of the actual life, but they have a symbolic value, like everything else. On that day in the morning when I woke up after having had this dream, I did pause a little bit to think about it, but not too much. I sat and enjoyed a cup of chai and uh, took my time. I was feeling very pleased with myself. I had caught my first swarm of bees. That was about four days earlier. The swarm was settled into their new hive, and they seemed to be doing very well. Around 11 in the morning, I leisurely headed to the meadow to bid the bees a good morning. It was a beautiful and sunny day. I passed the older beehives, which I called the uh, Rienweig. Those were buzzing with life. I neared the new hive, which I had called the House of Sage, and there was absolutely no activity. I ran over, put my ear against the hive. Silence. I looked through the window. It's a warakas, which means that you have windows, or this one has a window at the back allowing you to look in without having to open up the hive and disturb the bees. I didn't really need to open it. I knew what I would see. Nothing. No one was inside. I dismantled the beehive to find three bee combs. They had begun building beautiful ivory white combs. The middle one just the size a little bit bigger than a child's palm. Why did they leave? I looked more closely and I saw in a couple of the cells was something like nectar or honey. But no bees. What happened? They were there just the day before, in the late afternoon, happily buzzing away. What happened? I started tracing back events, trying to figure out what I did wrong. I will not get too much into my speculations. I will just be more jargon, and you probably don't need that. But let's just say that it could be summed up with the fact that they have decided, for one reason or the other, that this was not an appropriate place to live in, or something dramatic happened. So maybe they had a little space, 
maybe they were disturbed while they were still kind of building their core, let's say. Uh, maybe something happened to the queen. There's all these things. There's, you know, mistakes I probably made and mistakes other people have made. And anyway, at that point, you can think about anything and try to learn from it. But the fact is, you're devastated. I know it's very different, but it's a bit like having a baby and then losing it in a few days. I was about to carry the hive in my arms and walk home, carry it as if it's a corpse. I also did want to study the evidence more closely, what was inside, can I learn something about this? There was a couple of bees that were just dead down there, Good. but I decided against it. I mean, the, the hive is not terribly heavy, I could have probably done it, but it's not handy, and I have my back to consider, so I decided, go home, get the hand truck, and come back, carry the hive, and go back home. I did put the beehive back together, so I didn't leave it just like, you know, Rotsoi dismantled. I guess out of respect for the dead, or in case it rains. I don't know why I did it, I did. Went home. Shared my Tulur stelling with my life partner. Might they come back? he asked. No way, I responded, having quickly searched information online that said that when bees desert their hive, which I believe is called absomd, sounds a little bit Dutch, doesn't it? Absomd. Absomd. Anyway, they don't come back. I returned to the meadow, pushing the hand truck to bring back the kist like it's a funeral procession and lo and behold <laughs> right there in the meadow before me a swarm was making its way to the hive I fell on my knees this can't be <laughs> thank the heavens what is happening here am I getting another a second chance and is it is it my Volek, my people? Did they just go for a day trip and come back? Is this like a miracle or and, and why did where did they go? Just I mean or did they leave and change their mind? Or was it a new colony, which I would later conclude is probably it. But that's also unusual because you know, uh, there was a Volek there just the evening before, and this one moved in. Vrijwillig chose to move in to the beehive. They were a very small volk. Eigenlijk, the House of Sage, Generation 2, is thus the first real free bee kingdom. However, I'm not very pleased with how they're growing right now. It's been about a month, but that's another story. But they're they're moving. They're they're growing. I just hope that they get strong enough to survive the winter. Back then, I didn't know how big or small they are. I just sat down next to the hive and I observed. My thoughts wandered back to the dream. Was it a premonition that I failed to read? Might the honey cell oozing represent the first swarm or the first birth and did the second cell represent the second swarm? Like a second chance or a new beginning? Might Nori, the light, 
be getting a second chance to might the light wake up. Nuri, the boy, the football player, he was a symbol for many. He brought people together without even trying. He was a lovable character, humble. When news of his condition came out, football fans from all paths of life went outside his house. People who otherwise vote for Minder Marocana in the country, us Moroccans, those were also there to show support to Nuri's family. They witnessed the family read Al-Fatiha. That's beautiful. Nuri is, however, still in a coma, at home, in the care of his family. I stay with the dream. The queen cell oozing honey. I could interpret it positively. A cell oozing honey. I mean, just imagine that. It also looked like a breast, like a breast oozing honey. Abundant and sweet and medicinal. Like breasts over a pregnant belly. The land of milk and honey. But the queen cell was in the middle of the comb. Which, as I've said earlier, that means that it's a, it was an emergency queen cell. So that means that it was a response to something wrong or, or an imbalance. Now the fact that the, the second queen cell is closed might well say that you know, there is a second birth. The concept of honeybound came up in my mind. That's uh, what happens when the worker bees uh, store too much honey uh, at the expense of space for brood, for laying eggs. So they become honey-bound. More honey, less new life. And this kind of, well, let's say it shows the deterioration of a volic of their kind of, they, they don't, usually they can't really survive beyond that because they need new bees. Now, honey is the desired outcome of many beekeepers. I mean, some people just do it for the honey, often at the expense of the bee. They do anything to get the largest harvest. They, of course, stop the bees from swarming because that's well, more work, but also so that the colony of bees stays large, the colony of bees, the colonized bees. Large colonies producing more honey, even though it's been shown with studies that actually larger hives are more susceptible to disease. Okay. But to do this, these beekeepers, they either break the queen cells before they are laid with the eggs. They, they kind of uh, cut the wings of the queen so she doesn't, uh, she can no longer fly and cannot swarm. Um, or they split the bee colonies artificially. So these are kind of the options, or, you know, worst case scenario, they let the old bees come out, but before they do that, they kill the queen. Everything to stop nature from taking its course. More honey, more money, more profit. At the expense of human life. I think of professional sports. The pressure that is placed on athletes the pressure that they place on themselves to be the top, the best there is, to make the most goals. Be booked by the 
belangrijkste club. I think of the pressures that we place on ourselves. Pressure from our families, society, countries, clubs, the world. To succeed and to be the best there is, the fastest. They talk about football players in terms of selling and buying. This club sold this player. That club bought that player. And I think of the Greco-Roman games and slaves they put against each other to provide the spectators an athlete for aggression, amusement. Nothing has changed. This is not limited to Europe, but the whole world. Athletes are a commodity. Because they generate a lot of money, like bees generate honey. So from doping the athletes to giving the bees pesticides to pushing them beyond their means to controlling them and to when they're too old just snipping their wings. Think of all the athletes who when they stop playing they actually end up being poor. They never learned how to manage their money. Their health deteriorates because they stop playing sports so extensively so suddenly and after extensive sports Stopping could kill you. The body goes in shock. The heart can't handle it. People get too fat. Many top athletes end up with stints in their hearts or depression, addiction, poverty. They don't know what to do with themselves because they never developed another skill. Of course, I'm generalizing. There's some people who have managed to transition into society because of whether it's intelligence or luck or family or just, you know, muzzle. But... Essentially, athletes are not really given the skills or helped to help themselves, aside from sports, aside from being slaves for the sport, for the club. Of course, they love playing, but it moves beyond that. I think of how when the corona crisis began and sports stopped, people were freaking out. I mean, on Sundays, no sport, no sport Sunday. There was all this fear that, and terecht, it is apparently happening with more uh, domestic violence, more aggression, because these people have no outlet. So we have to get sports back as fast as possible. And they have, without audience. They couldn't stop it too long. They didn't want to look at the causes of the aggression. How long do we keep drugging the masses instead of looking at the core problem? Why is aggression there against your wife or your children? Because there's an imbalance. But we don't look at that because finding these outlets, whether they're sports or sex or whatever it is, is good profit. Whether it's disease, it's good profit. And that is what our society revolves around. Money, profit, at the expense of the human body, soul, mind. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of commercials. I understand, you know, I'm, 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 I also have to yeah, promote my work, right? And you have to get paid to live. And athletes have to get paid also to live. But all these kind of balachalic amounts of money... And teachers, they get less. <laughs> and then teachers, they were striking all over the world because 
they didn't have enough uh, rights, they saw, just like the people who are, you know, nurses. Then the coronavirus hits and these people are having to work like crazy. They can't do anything about it because then you're unnationalistic. Difficult times. The bees have gotten me through it because they remind of the basic things and they keep going. They keep going for the good of the bean, of the hive. They're a perfect team. No one stands out, not even the queen. I mean, she looks different. She's being groomed and cleaned and fed, but she's laying eggs her whole life. <laughs> Shit, I'm glad I'm no queen bee. Two weeks later, I get my second swarm of bees. I went up and down a ladder for God knows how many times. This swarm made it difficult for me. It was about five meters high in a tree whose roots were in a kind of pond swamp. <laughs> Well, but I managed to get them down there, and they were large folic, and they're growing like crazy, so I've called them vlir. I sat to watch my two new hives. That day was also Al-Eid, Eid al-Fitr, the, the feast that marks the end of Ramadan, the fasting month. In the Netherlands, they call this feast Saukerfeest, like sugar feasts. Perhaps due to the fact that people serve their guests sweets on this day, but, I mean, everyone does that here. And in Limburg, there's always fly and whatever. I mean, everyone's giving sweets. Why did they choose it? You know, sweets and sugar. Sugar feast. Ooh. And that, of course, brings me to the family of Nuri. They're probably celebrating a feast of Eid in some way. And I think of their sadness that their son cannot be with them. And I pray for his recovery. I pray for the recovery of Anur, the light, that it may have a second awakening. When I think of honey and sugar, I think of how beekeepers often rob their bees of all the honey that they, they produce and they want to store for the winter. And after they do that, they start feeding the bees with sugar water. They argue that sugar is as good for the bees as nectar or honey. And we're supposed to believe that. And I think of feeding, feeding what we feed ourselves with. Lots of sugar, that's for sure. It's kind of the drug of the century. And I think of Sundays and people sitting on the couch with a bag of chips and a creative beer and watching sports. How would it look like if instead of all these people sitting on their uh, Achterberg watching sports went out and played sports instead every Sunday? I think we'd end up with a much healthier society everywhere. Look, I'm not against commercial sport as they call it, but let's not monetize everything and rob it of its essence. Let's just not try to maximize on the honey in place of new life. I have said enough for today. Thank you for listening. This was Arab Woman Talking. Salam. Goodbye. Tot ziens. <laughs>